Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about preparedness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, preach the word. And then it says something so grand. It says, be ready in season and out of season. God wants us to be ready. Everybody say, be ready. We see the training program for the astronauts. We see training for fighter pilots. You know, they go into simulators and work hours and hours to figure out landing and takeoff and uh, the kind of thing that they're responsible to do. Thankfully, we have the medical care people that uh, they work on cadavers uh, before they work on living bodies. And that's good. You want them to be prepared. Uh, people that understand that go to culinary school, learn how to make delicious food for us so we have nutrition. Those are all important things. Uh, but there's nothing more important than the word of God and then the message of Jesus going forth into our world. Nothing more important than the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the head of the church. He has organized us in something called the church and this is an important era for the local church uh, of which we are members. So I want to talk to you about readiness concerning our individual lives, readiness as families, readiness in our businesses, readiness in the steps and procedures that we will anticipate up ahead. I believe the Lord will give us a prophetic heads up if we'll listen. And I want to show you some examples of how God uh, prepared a couple of uh, young men in the, in the Bible in the Old Testament so if you want to get your Bibles, you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, and we'll look at David, and then 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and we'll be looking a little bit at Uzziah. These were both kings, one of Judah, one of Israel, and uh, they both had effective careers. David was a man after God's own heart. Uzziah served longer than any other king in Judah, 52 years. He, however, got torqued at the end, which gives us a warning so that we stay on track all the way to the end. Amen? Look at somebody next to you and say, stay on track all the way to the end. That's important. So what I want to look at right now is this whole idea of getting ready. Ready for what? Ready to pray. Ready to, ready to share the gospel. Ready to preach the word. Colossians 3.16 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That's echoed from Psalm 119, the first 10 verses, one of, one of which says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. I've laid up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it also says that his word is forever settled in heaven and that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It would uh, be good for us to pay attention to the word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 24 says in the context that we are to attend to his word, incline our ear to his sayings, not let them escape our sight, keep them in the midst of our heart, uh, because they're life to those who find them, the health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Amen? Everybody say, get ready. Look at somebody next to you and say, get ready. Get ready for blessing. Now, now don't, if you're, don't get anxious and get ready for the other shoe to drop or for dread. I'm not talking about a, a get ready in a nervous paranoia. I'm talking about get ready for God to facilitate something for you, for God to tap you out and utilize you, for God to speak to your heart. Get ready to listen. Get ready to obey. Get ready to uh, pray without ceasing. Get ready to be a servant of the Most High God. 
uh, it, it'll help you along the way as you come to terms with these things. First, Chronicles 14 is a story about David in his younger days. And I want to read this to you from the New American Standard, the updated version. And if you have my Bible, it's page 607. It says, Now, Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David with cedar trees, masons, and carpenters to build a house for him. I want to tell you, the Lord went out ahead for me, and he inspired people like Tom Hall, who was the designer of this building, George Convey, who was the representative in the real estate of the building, Frank Ganniger and uh, Charlie Harris, who was from the Vaderite family, who owned this building, and how God, they were like the king of Tyre to me, and how they were prompted by the Lord, ultimately, to help us build this church. I want to forever give honor and credit to those people, many of whom have gone to be with the Lord, but I have, in their lifetime, I'm happy to say, I got to thank them profusely and acknowledge to them They thought it was just a business transaction, but for me, it was something of a spiritual level. And King of Tyre sent masons and cedar trees so David uh, could have uh, build a house. They wanted to build a house for David. And David, when verse 2, it occurred to David in the context of this favor and these provisions, he realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. Stop. Look up. Do you know, do you realize that Jesus died for you? You are called the beloved. You are called a saint. You're called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Did you know that you must realize this? You must become aware of this. Jesus, higher than the king of Tyre, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, 1. Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus has developed. This is nice that these guys have cedar trees and masons to build a house, a literal physical house for David. But transcendent above that, Jesus puts a value on you. Well, this natural occurrence caused David to have a warmth of heart and a realization in his spirit and his mind that God was establishing him for purposes. Did you know God is establishing you and me for certain things? You will not get ready if you don't have a healthy sense of placement and of purpose and of value in the kingdom of God. And no, I am not trying to stroke your ego. And no, I'm not generating self-actualization hype. And no, I'm not trying to uh, pump you up. But what I am trying to do is bring clarity so you can realize the hope that is in you. You can realize the potential that is before you. You can realize the the doors will be opening and opportunities will be occurring. And so it's important that you get ready. Doctors get ready in case they're called upon to do an emergency surgery. Uh, We had little kids get all banged up and we learned, get a plastic surgeon if they cut up their face, boy or girl. The ER people say, oh, we'll just use, squirt some glue on it. It'll be fine. He's a boy. It doesn't matter. You know, like an eight inch scar across their face from, you know, a Lego they landed on or something like that. 
You know, and it's like, no, no, it's his face. And we're, you know, we pay good money for insurance premiums, so we're going to get good service. So we wait. We'll wait around. So somebody come in and they do like a zillion stitches and they, you could, I know these kids that banged up. You can't even see where they got banged up. Girl got bit in the face by a dog. She had amazing plastic surgery. You can't even tell. She got bit in the face by a dog. Her lip was all opened up and everything. But thank God for the doctors who know how to do that stuff and put in the extra stitches. Hallelujah. So I thank God for those kinds of things. And I thank God for the responsive Christians. Like the girl that invited me to church. Or like the guy that would bother to pick up a kid, a frustrated lost kid, who had prayed, God, if you're real, show me. And in that moment, in the darkness, an ink black sky of a November night in Southern California, pulled over and picked up a little stranger and drove him all the way out of his way to tell him about Jesus. He was ready to preach the word. He was ready to communicate why he had hope in him. Do you follow this? I'm grateful for people like my grandmother who prayed and prayed and prayed without ceasing for us lost kids. Seeing that we weren't raised in a particularly Christian home, it was secular, and she wanted to see Jesus come in and be Lord of our lives. And guess what? God answered that grandma's prayer. Well, when David realized the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. See, we're all looking for meaning. We're all looking for fruitfulness. And David looks no further than right here. And this is so summed up. The exaltation wasn't so David could be a big shot. We see a lot of this big shotness in our world today. And it kind of gets rubbed in our face. But David realized the Lord had anointed him as king and established him and exalted him for the sake of God's people, for the sake of Israel. So he knew that it was for service. He knew that it was for guidance. He knew that it was for the help of others and for leadership. And then, so what happens then, and we'll go quickly with this, um, David took more wives in Jerusalem, and David became the father of more sons and daughters. This triggered fruitfulness. This realization, he began to prepare, and he began to birth birth children. These names of his children born in Jerusalem were Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Elpelet, Noga, Nephig. See, if I went, Noga, they go, you want Noga or you want Nephig? Uh, just both of you, come in here. I want you to do the dishes. Japhia, Elishama, Biliada, and Elphalet. I did good on that. Give me a hand, please. I'm not going to do it again. When the, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all hell broke loose. When the Philistines heard, see, when David realized the Lord anointed him king, he began to be productive and fruitful. And that's exactly why when the Philistines heard, they uh, began, they went up and searched for David to snuff him out. The anointing is an attractor to the power of the Lord and impactful service, but also to attacks. You have to be ready for this and understand the nature of things. David heard of it and went out against them. That's what I like about David. He was not uh, sheepish. He, was, he had a backbone and he went after it. David ran. Remember when Goliath was there, he ran up to the battle line. People were, were cowering, but he ran forward, not in some sort of you know, stupid uh, uh, zeal, but, but he had confidence in his God. Now, the Philistines had come and had made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. 
David inquired of God. That's key. Underline chapter 10, uh, verse 10, that, those first four words. David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and will you give them into my hand? See, he's not being presumptuous. He's not going out hastily. He's not leaning on his own military skills or the arm of the flesh or his own mind. He said, what should I do in this particular case, Lord? He's also not on autopilot. He's going, okay, what should I do in this case? And uh, then the Lord said to him, go up, for I will give them into your hand. So he goes, all right. So he gets the revelation to go up. Verse 11, so they came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, they named that place Baal Perizim. And that, in my margin, means master of breakthrough. Baal being power and uh, Perizim meaning breakthrough. So God powerfully created a breakthrough moment under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Specific guidance was given to David. What should you do at work? What should you do with the particular cases that come to you? As a Christian, every time, inquire of the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you could buy some time, buy some time. The man that makes haste with his feet errs. So you gotta, but you also don't want to drag your feet. You want to just be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says to pray without ceasing and to, and to be ready to inquire of the Lord. Everybody say, David inquired of the Lord. So he won this battle, and it was a great battle. Then they abandoned their gods there, which idolatry started to break down. So David gave the order, and they were burned with fire, so that there was no tendency to pick them back up again. But then the Philistines made yet another raid in the valley. And David, look at verse, verse 14, again inquired. David inquired again of God. Read that with me. David inquired again of God. See, I've been to church. I went to church last week. I'm here this week. I'll be here next week. You notice I've been here every weekend almost for 30-something years. People come and go. I stay here. I'm driving the bus. I'm responsible. Founding pastor. Got in this for uh, realizing God was calling me to something, and I'm staying with this and continuing to seek the Lord. And uh, on a micro, day-by-day, minute-by-minute level, of dependency on the Holy Spirit. I trust God, don't you? He gives guidance. He gives power to the faint. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. Uh, If anyone lacks might, he increases power. He guides us with his eye upon us. He'll show us things to come. He'll show us what to do. He'll show you grandparents how to influence your grandkids, even if the parents are a little light on the subject. He'll help you to know how to flow with all the variety of neighbors you have. That real kind one, that real sensitive one, that one that's disrespectful, that one that's trespassing, that one that doesn't have a clue, that one that you, you know, need to pray a little bit more for. And you just have to walk in love. Look at somebody next to you and say, oh, walk in love. Uh, David inquired again of the Lord, verse 14, and God said to him, aren't you glad when we ask God answers? You shall not go up after them. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall go out to battle, for God will have gone out before you to strike the enemy of the Philistines. David said, okie doke. 
and did just as God had commanded him. And they struck down the army of the Philistines from Gibeon, even as far as Gezer. Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the, brought the fear of him on all the nations. Did you know the prowess of David was not based on his military might, his mental genius. It was his capacity to be dependent and trusting in God. You know, and I look at people in this room right now, and I want to tell you, it took something for us to get here. God brought us through many things. God has been faithful to us through many, many, many dangers, toils, and snares. We have already come. God's grace has been sufficient to each one of us. Who would say, I am a testimony of God's goodness, mercy, and grace? Aren't you grateful that he does these kinds of things? And we read from antiquity our amazing brother David, and we see how faithful God was. You know, it would have been a great story just to find out that this king sent cedar trees and stuff, material to build a nice house for him. We could have closed the book and said, boy, hallelujah, David got a house. Or we could have skipped that verse and read the next verse where David realized God had established him for the sake of the people of Israel. We could have closed that and said, wow, it's great. God provided good leadership for the people at a critical time. And that David was humble and was a servant leader. We could have closed the book on that. Or we could have read about the Philistines attacked him. And we could have read about fight the good fight of faith. And we could have closed the book on that. But yet, every increment is so valuable and so important and informs us of so much uh, of the desire of God to make us ready, willing, prepared, trained, equipped, thorough, so that we can see the provision of God and prosperity and know how to handle it, the, the provision of God and opportunity and know how to yield to God and obey it. Uh, the provision of God in the midst of the conflict and the resistance and know how to fight, and then the varieties of attacks and know how to, the subtle nuances of each one, and that as we engage with God and stay close to Him and pray without ceasing and connect with Him and enter in with thanksgiving and do His courts with praise, we will have a download of effectiveness, of resourcefulness, of timeliness, of readiness, and we'll be able to handle these things, and we'll even understand the peculiar nature of some of His promptings. Stand by the balsam trees and when you hear the sound of marching come around from the other side and I will have gone out ahead of you and put a whooping on the enemy this encourages me when we see the swelling of demonic activity in the world this encourages me when we see seasons where we don't have uh, uh, things don't seem to correlate do you know what I mean by that where they don't seem to tie together when I was a young man my dad brought home a bunch of uh, used uh, telephone cable. And what it was, landlines had these little tiny wires and they were then encased in, in a, a sheathing of plastic and they had different colors, uh, but they were copper wire. And the reason my dad would get it is he used the copper wire for his hobby of raising bonsai trees. And he enjoyed, uh, he had a green thumb and he loved to do that kind of thing. And he would get bonsai trees. He'd make bon uh, trees, bonsai trees from everything, from uh, all kinds of trees. And he would use the wire to uh, gently uh, steer the branches to shape them like little sculptures. And, and I remember this big bundle of wire. You remember that bundle of wire in, in the basement? And uh, the kids, we'd play with it. And there was so much of it. And, uh, but I remember he had, a, he had a big cable, and it was about, oh, I don't know, a few feet long, and it had, I don't know, hundreds of smaller wires in there. 
And so I think it was like a service line maybe for a subdivision from, a, from the telephone company out. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it was underground or if it was hanging off of a pole. I don't know but where he got it. But I, I just remember that it was just like a big bundle of crazy wires. And it just looked like it just was just this big knotted up mess. But inside the, the sheathing of the big part, it wasn't all crazy like it was on the ends. It was actually all, uh, as I investigated, all lined up and everything was in its place and everything was color-coded. And, uh, and, and I remember times in my Christian life where I just couldn't seem to tie anything together. Nothing seemed to tie together. Why did I have this particular upbringing? Why did I get transplanted from this area of this town to this area and then move here at these critical moments of my youth? Why did I move here between my junior and senior year of high school? Why did I not seek after God when I had gotten saved and then I didn't go to church? Why did I go back to the world and get back with partiers and go in the wrong track? But yet, why then all of a sudden did God grant me repentance again and give me a second chance and then enable me? And then just like I had the wrong people set before me, all of a sudden at college, there were some right people who brought me to church and got me in Bible study. And it doesn't seem to all tie together, yet it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't. And then just uh, seeking after God and inquiring of the Lord and getting subtle promptings that ended up being permanent established directives. It, initially, they were little subtle in, uh, uh, inferences, little, little subtle things that became monumental things as, as you go. So I have lived this for a while now to tell you that God causes all things to work together after the counsel of his own will. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. And though we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit knows how to lead and guide us. You know what? It took something for us to get here. And it's not a coincidence that we're in this context. It's not a coincidence you're listening to me right now and I'm speaking along these lines. I get serious about trying to find out what the Lord would have me say each day. Because he says, give us this day our daily bread. So I'm responsible not just to throw stuff out as I think about it. You don't need that. You need a word from the Lord. And God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend. And he presented the oracles of God. And in Timothy, another place, he says, let him, that, or Peter, he said, let him that speaks, speak as it were the oracles of God. And I think this is an oracle of God. It certainly was for David. That as he was being blessed and as he was realizing God had raised him up for a purpose of service, and then he got this as he was producing and he was bearing fruit and birthing, in the context of his achievements, the Philistines heard about it and tried to snuff him out, but yet God gave him strategy. Why? Because he was constantly inquiring of the Lord. Listen, the way we get ready for the transitions, even when things don't seem to correlate, in God, everything ties together. He is the master. I've heard this said too. You could look at a tapestry and on its surface, it's just finely knotted and it makes sense and they're beautiful scenes and beautiful colors. Even on these uh, Persian rugs, the surface is just amazing. But underneath, it's like knotty. And, and this one's a good one because they worked for a year on it. But some tapestries, you look on the other side and they, they didn't pay atten as much attention to the back as to the front. And there'd be just a bunch of knotted lines and little different levels of string. It just looked like a knotted mess. But you got look in the front and it all kind of makes sense. 
This is the way the church is. It's just God causes it all to work together for good. And this is the way our Christian lives are. God makes sense of it all. Say it. God makes sense of it all. We can look to him. This is part of why I'm a Christian, why I rely on the Lord. Because what seems to be a random chaotic universe actually is by God's design. And that when we live in a fallen world, we have the hope of looking to the one who will help us, guide us with his, with his eye upon us. His Holy Spirit is our teacher. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we see how David was led by the Holy Spirit. God prepared him for service. And in Mark 10, 44, it says, The greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. That's how you're going to succeed in life, by being a servant. Number two, he were prepared for productivity. Immediately, he started to birth children. So no stagnation. John 15, 8, in this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remains. So we're, we're gauged and poised for productivity. We don't use our energies to bark and be snotty and debate and be divisive with each other. We prepare for increase. We prepare for kingdom advancement. We prepare to win the lost. God doesn't have any interest in us bickering and battling over petty issues in the world. Don't take the bait of a lesser battle. Don't use your precious resource of time and influence to go in and bark at other people and tell them what you think. They don't care what you think. They want to care and see how much you care. And they need you to bridge the gap and draw them out of darkness and into light. The Lord's bond servants should not be quarrelsome. Number three, be prepared for resistance. Uh, there are no shortcuts or easy routes. First uh, Timothy 6.12 is emphatic in our world today. Fight the good fight of faith. We fight the good fight of faith. David was a a prophet, he was a priest, he was a king, he was a musician, he was a warrior. He was a husband, he was a friend. He was a shepherd, and at the end of the day, he just was a big, deep lover of God. His whole life is summed up, and David was a man after God's own heart and did the will of God. That's, he served the purposes of God in his generation, and then he died. What a good way to live. You school teachers, you stay-at-home moms, you business owners, you, whatever you are, dentists, whoever you are, whatever you've done counts for something because you're in the context of creativity and productivity and, and God's anointed you beyond what you've uh, conventionally seen. He's called you to something bigger than what you've so far up to this point experienced. And that's why readiness and preparedness and vigilance and renewal and purpose is essential for today. This is, this is the word of the Lord for today. Number four, be ready and prepared for prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. That means no self-reliance. No self-reliance. David inquired of the Lord. He didn't rest on his laurels. He didn't have his reliance on his own mind. We're, we're not to lean on the arm of the flesh, but we're to trust God in everything. Our dependence on God is a statement of our love for him. Number five, be prepared for breakthrough because it will come. No sulking. In 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it said because of murmuring, they were laid low in the wilderness. So we will not grumble. We will not murmur. We will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We will not waste our precious time complaining. We, in all our ways, we acknowledge him. He directs our path. 
This is such a significant moment. If you saw it in a few months or a couple of years, you'll look back and realize how pivotal this time was. One degree below zero in this chilly moment, in this socially distanced uh, quarantine. Who has the shot? Who doesn't? Who's wearing the mask? Pull your mask up, please. Pull your mask up, please. Get that mask up over your nose, sir. This world we're in right now, where people have appointed themselves to start barking at each other, it's time for us to understand how important it is that we be prepared and not take the bait of Satan in a lesser agenda. No murmuring, no complaining, no whining. This is a wine-free zone. This is a preparation time for inquiring again and again and again. And that's why I want to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. No autopilot. No cruise control. We are responsible to seek the Lord. Let's go to 2 Chronicles and I'll finish here. This is important for some of you that are watching me online right now. You can get a hold of this. Now, that was the king of Israel. This is the king of Judah. His name is Uzziah. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah because Amaziah had died, the king, his father. And he was 16 years old. This is significant to me because I was 16 years old when I got saved. And I remember how immature I was, inexperienced I was, impulsive I was. So I'm thinking, I'm relating to this guy. What a, what a heavy responsibility for such a young, not fully developed person. And yet he had some help. It said that uh, they made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Then it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who was a prophet, who had understanding through the vision of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he depended on God, trusted God, didn't get in self-reliance, he had a marvelous 52-year journey. And you can read the whole chapter because it unfortunately doesn't have a good end because he veered. But in this beginning context, what I really want to get over to you as we finish, number one, we are prepared for service. Number two, productivity. Number three, resistance. Number four, prayer. Number five, breakthrough. Number six, inquiring again and again of the Lord. And number seven, advancement. When we meditate on and ponder God's word, we'll make our way prosperous. And yes, we will have good success. This is the call that was on David, the call that was on Uzziah, this is the call in this hour, and I, I suppose it's Valentine's Day, and it's hearts and flowers and chocolate and so forth, but more than anything, it's love from God and love for God. Every day ought to be a love moment of our appreciation and our deepened affection for who he is. We love because he first loved us. We're, if you're alone, you're not lonely. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you're busy, God will help you to carve out a moment and inquire of him so that it'll increase productivity. If you feel like things are discombobulated and that doesn't correlate, God works everything together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let his mighty 
powerful hand weave and inform and develop you. All the past failures are just, they're just stepping stones to awareness and clarity of your need for God. It helps you to be humble before him, not to stay in the shame and the guilt because the blood of Jesus actually cancels out the debt of sin and washes us white as snow. We're to forget those things which lie behind and we're to reach forward to what lies ahead. David sought the Lord. Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. How about that? What an incentive. What an inspiration at any season of our lives. Caleb was 85 years old when he was given, gifted the land of Hebron. Hebron was the place on the mountain where the giants lived. On his 85th birthday, said, give me this mountain. Maybe God will put a, help me put a whooping on the giants. And I'm telling you, the Lord has his hand and his eye on you, whether you're young, middle-aged, or senior. He loves each and every one of us with an everlasting love, and he's drawn us with his loving kindness. Happy Valentine from God. Better than hearts and flowers. It's substance for our destiny. Better than chocolate with its uh, serotonin buzz or whatever you get. It's substantial. It's weighty. When David realized the Lord had established him as king over Israel for the service of the people, it, it humbled him and it emboldened him at the same time. And this is what God wants. He wants a humble people that are bold as lions. Humble because we know we didn't earn it, we can't deserve it, but emboldened that God includes us in anyway, and, it, and he lets us be accepted in the beloved, and he's drawn us in, and he has a place for us, each one in the body, each one in his plan, and that as we seek after him, just like Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord. It says in verse 5, he continued to seek God. He continued, and as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. 16 years old, he listened to his mother. The mother must have deeply impacted his development because rarely are mothers mentioned in the genealogies of this male-dominated period of history, and yet she is mentioned. And the reason Jechaliah is mentioned is because she factored in in such a powerful influence, along with Amaziah the king, the father, who had an impact, and also Zechariah the prophet, who had an impact, who knew the vision of God. This guy was getting inspiration from a number of directions, and it was forming him. And even though he was 16 years old, we don't have time to read this, but man, he went into the same kind of productivity as David did. He started to build towers in Jerusalem. He built uh, towers in the wilderness. He had much livestock. He, he, he was a vine dresser. He loved the fertile fields. He, had, he loved the soil. He had an amazing skill to delegate, and he had divisions of our, a military building, and, and there, there is even a mention of, of inventions. And uh, God had really downloaded something into his life. Listen, God calls us, he equips us, and he's making us ready. Ready to pray, ready to preach, ready to encourage, ready not to give up, ready to, to stay hopeful, ready to give, ready to serve. Can I hear an amen? Let's all stand up on our feet, and I'm going to finish with a word of prayer. But here's what I want to say for practical terms. Listen, today let's dedicate. Today let's yield. This is what we can do. You say, what practical thing can you leave us with, Pastor Jeff? I'm glad you asked. We're going to dedicate ourselves to the, to the will of God. 
We're going to inquire of the Lord. Let's lift up our hands just about like this, just yielding to him. At home, you can do the same thing. And let's just open up to God's infinite possibilities. If you have any unconfessed sin in your life, just deal with it, repent of it, get it before God thoroughly and quickly. As you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's amazing that he has a reset button pusher that he'll push in our lives to keep us cleansed. And that he renews our youth, he renews our hope. If you feel like your energies have been flagging, he'll give you new strength. If you feel like you've been confused, he's the God of peace and not confusion. If you need wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you and not hold back. And he'll give you detail, just like he gave David to go to the balsam trees and wait for the sound of the marching. And God gave him wisdom and he prevailed and his fame spread abroad. And the thing we want to see spread abroad is the fame of Jesus, where he's made known. He's not ignored in our bi-state area, in this St. Louis Family Church, St. Louis area, then in our in our immediate five-state area, then our continental U.S., then all the way to Alaska and Hawaii and Canada and Mexico and Central South America, and for that matter, all the nations of the earth. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of God in a unique and amazing manifestation. 2021, a year of strength, hope, joy, and courage in Jesus' name.